Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Expert Opinion. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show is focused on how a brand is perceived and valued during the merger and acquisition process. Today's guest is Rob Follows, founder and CEO of STS Capital Partners, an international investment banking firm that focuses on sell-side transactions. So if you ever plan to sell your business, you might want to listen to the insights that Rob will share with us today. Rob, welcome to Expert Opinion. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Well, Rob, I was thinking that a great way to start our conversation today would be to um, maybe tell your story of the marketing firm that you had that you ultimately sold and how it kind of launched you into this world of uh, investment banking. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I was fortunate enough to start, uh, as many entrepreneurs do, uh, our our business uh, very early in life. Uh, I remember when I was younger, people would say in my 20s when we were going after large international contracts, uh, where's your dad? Your dad owns the business, right? And I'd say, yeah, he's, he's here, but you know, I'm, I'm the, uh, uh, the president. Uh, so if you just give me the, uh, the, the account, uh, we'll be fine. And of course my dad wasn't involved in the business at all. I was just, uh, very, very young. Uh, when I was, uh, 29, the North American free trade agreement, uh, came in, I was originally doing business in Canada and, uh, that opened up the, the question of what will happen uh, in uh, the future for, in marketing services in North America. At that time, there was below-the-line and above-the-line marketing services, above-the-line being pull, creating uh, demand through television commercials, and below-the-line being push, and that is what we see now through what's now the uh, Internet marketing uh, protocols. And so when NAFTA opened the larger group in uh, St. Louis, Minneapolis, uh, Merritt's Inc. out of St. Louis uh, being one of the largest in below-the-line marketing services at the time with several billion dollars in sales, uh, made an offer on our business uh, that we could not refuse. Uh, and so the uh, background we have in marketing uh, really did become one of the pillars of understanding how businesses can be uh, positioned uh, for a fantastic valuation in direct sale to uh, strategic buyers. Do you mind sharing a little detail about that sale and kind of what you, uh, the multiple Ab- you got? Absolutely. Um, we, we received a 27 times EBITDA multiple, um, uh, which sounds very high, uh, but one of the learnings for me, it was my first uh, shocking learning, uh, was when I became responsible for the international uh, divisions of Merits uh, many years later uh, globally outside the United States uh, and and therefore uh, in approving and, and budgeting for acquisitions, I looked at my own file and realized that uh, that it was a low multiple relative to the uh, the problem it was solving for the buyer. And that was the second principle uh, that became very, very important to us in starting STS Capital Partners, uh, and that was understanding that it's actually the value of your transaction to the buyer that drives the ultimate uh, the ultimate enterprise value, not in a multiple of EBITDA. And so if a buyer, uh, which you've done many transactions and set many valuation records in many industries to date now, if a buyer, any one of those buyers, is going to make 100 times EBITDA in their own terms as the business is integrated into their business, 
then you have the option of getting, uh, you know, in that scenario, or logical multiple B50 times zero, splitting it with them. But the hard part and, and what take the real art and the real discipline is understanding what a buyer will value your business at. And in the case of Merits and, and AIM, my firm, I had no idea what the buyer was looking for, and that's what a really great M&A advisor can provide you with. Well, this aligns with a topic I know you and I have talked about many times, and that is um, focusing on a strategic buyer as opposed to a financial buyer. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about that process that you would advise your clients to look into uh, in regards to finding the, a, a number of strategic buyers that uh, could be considered? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the difference between when you talk about strategic buyers, it's juxtaposing it and comparing it to uh, financial buyers. So financial buyers are, you know, they've changed names over the decades, uh, but merchant banks or venture capitalists, uh, you know, a few decades ago, and now private equity uh, is the current uh, best uh, uh, name for uh, and most commonly used name for private act for financial buyers. Those buyers are trying to buy businesses as cheap as they can. So think about their position here. Buy businesses as cheap as they can, so at the lowest possible purchase price, so they can sell them to strategic buyers down the road. And that is uh, they resell them to the end user, as it were. And so what we're interested in, in helping clients do, and, and if clients ever want to try doing it on, they can try doing that, and that is, Position, understanding who the private equity guys would sell to, who is the strategic ultimate buyer, because they are middlemen. And if you can take the time to understand who they are, work with your M&A advisor uh, that actually is committed, who's not working with private equity at all, that's very, very important because there's many conflicts there, but it's actually positioning clients directly with strategic investors. And if you can work with somebody that does that and understand who would be able to make more money owning your firm than you do, that's the first step in defining who would be a strategic buyer. And if you look at international buyers first, those are ones that actually value the whole market that they're stepping into. If it's in the United States, for instance, and they're coming from Japan or they're coming from the Nordics or they're coming from Canada or from China as an example, as some examples, or India, those buyers value stepping into the U.S. market as part of the transaction, therefore will pay more than a multiple just uh, for your firm. So in summary, strategic buyers are those that the private equity and other financial buyers are going to sell to. They're ones that will make more money owning your business than you will as the shareholder, and they're ones that see other value in, um, which I can go deeper into, but in owning your business than, than you can create owning it yourself. And therefore, they're strategic uh, by definition, and therefore your transaction strategic to them because it'll move the needle of performance considerably inside their organization, and these are large corporates usually, uh, and uh, they will give you better terms and conditions, which are very important, um, uh, and help support even your own vision uh, going forward uh, if you can find several and run a what we call a soft auction between them. Okay, so to kind of summarize there, consider and find the right type of strategic buyers that uh, could be uh, the ultimate uh, result, and then work with you early on to help identify those organizations, and then by identifying them, have a better understanding of the type of value that they would uh, pay based upon 
your competitive advantage or what you actually offer the buyer and the result that you would ultimately give them. So how does how, how early should a company uh, consider developing that brand positioning or that competitive advantage in order to uh, really take the time to implement a brand that is uh, in, has an increased value? Well, that's a wonderful question. Um, thank you for asking it. As early as possible, um, I heard someone say, a teacher uh, say uh, uh, to a group that I was uh, it was being facilitated that uh, the time to start that was, uh, the best time to start that was 20 years ago uh, for the group he was talking to, but the next best time is today. And so starting immediately to think about your brand and and your positioning in terms of how strategics will see you, and most importantly, understanding what a strategic buyer will value in your business and positioning that as part of your brand and part of your value proposition is is critical as soon as possible. So if the transaction might be two years down the road, then it's not too late. If it's three or four years down the road, when you're planning to exit, you have lots of time to implement it. Even if it's only going to be a year down the road, uh, there's lots of improvement to brand positioning that can drive more value in a transaction. Is there any way to put a, a value on the brand as you go through the process and, and ultimately uh, are in the you know kind of the boardroom of uh, negotiations? Um, well, brand is incredibly valuable in 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 all cases, and so improving so putting a price tag on it depends on so the higher value will be placed on the business by a strategic based on how much money they're going to make with it. So if your brand is strong enough, for instance, that your product can be can be sold through their international distribution channels and it's bringing another brand to their portfolio, that will drive incredible value as an example. If uh, in the inverse your brand is strong enough that an international group coming in comes in under your brand with products and services that they could offer, then that's also highly leverageable. So it does very much depend on uh, the value is dependent on the ability to execute, and that's dependent on the strength of the brand and the positioning. And so so it, it is dependent specifically on, uh, in each individual case, who the buyer is. But in all cases, strengthening your brand and your positioning uh, and your value proposition and understanding early on what strategics might value uh, will drive multiples up. Yeah, we work primarily in the area of B2B, and most people think that buyers and decision makers in the world of B2B are, are all rationally based, but it's quite the opposite. It's very emotional uh, in terms of who and how uh, a decision is made. Uh, it's longer sales cycles, considered purchase, multiple decision makers, somebody's jobs on the line. So it's very much an emotional connection, and I think the same thing applies uh, to even valuation. If you take a look at the average S&P company, uh, the value is 84% intellectual and only 16% uh, tangible. And so what a significant attribute towards the emotional connection of, as you mentioned, the future ability to perform. And that's an emotional uh, decision there, an emotional uh, connection, not a rational one. Any thoughts there? Oh, absolutely. And so you've, you've really hit the nail on the head. Um, the analogy we like to use uh, is falling in love. And so these large corporate 
uh, groups boil down to one or two executives and one executive taking the lead on an acquisition that's strategic. And as you say, putting his name uh, out uh, on the line because he's saying to the executive committee, uh, the board or the management committee, that he, that person or she uh, increasingly will own that acquisition. And so their name is on it uh, as soon as they advocate it. So there's the pre-advocation point, in which case they need to be falling in love with your business. And they're going to be, just as in that is in the analogy of dating, as they're falling in love and getting close to being totally committed, and that is going into the boardroom and saying, we're going to do this and I'm going to own it, um, and pushing the CFO and pushing the CMO and pushing the balance of the, uh, the board to agree, they're both in a process of falling in love as well as in a process of making sure they're not making a mistake. Because once they cross that line and they put their name on it, it is a career-limiting move to have a disastrous M&A um, transaction. So having a really strong brand, really clear positioning, uh, B2B, is critical in, in helping the strategic buyer understand exactly where the fit is and to fall in love with your business such that they will... I put their uh, name on the line. They'll advocate it inside the corporation. And as they fall more and more in love, the price doesn't become the issue. It becomes a matter of how much synergies they're going to get and then how much, you know, financially is going to be paid. And as you think about it, amortized over time. And and even more importantly, this isn't an entrepreneur. It isn't their capital. It's corporate capital. So they're they're looking at their personal capital as a leader being challenged if they if they make a mistake, and they're not worried about the the actual dollars. They're worried about success. And the more clarity you can bring to what the brand positioning is, what the what the value proposition is, the more comfortable they'll be in letting themselves fall in love with the business, such that price doesn't matter. Just before we came on the call, uh, and this is a process. Just before I, I came on the uh, call with you, uh, which we really appreciate uh, taking the time for. Uh, we were coaching a group. They've had three meetings with a strategic buyer, and now they're inviting them down to Utah where the headquarters are. It's an international uh, seller and a buyer, one potential buyer in Utah, and they're inviting them down. And our coaching to them was bring all the middle um, management down to meet the middle management um, of the group based in Utah so that they will fall in love and, and come to understand clearly the synergies that will be created and the value that will be created and no discussion of price, no discussion of structure, so that that process of understanding how they're positioned and how the synergies would be developed drives the, uh, the emotional component up such that the pricing rationale uh, drops in importance. So it's critical. Well, Rob, you've, you've shared uh, the benefits of looking at your brand uh, years before you would position it and sell it to a strategic buyer, whether that one year or three years or five years. I think people can get their head around that. We certainly get hired to do a lot of that type of work. But another area that is growing for us is that um, we're most often brought in after a transaction is complete. Uh, so they've, they've, they've made the business deal, and then they realize that, uh, the next big challenge is to unite the cultures and create a value proposition for the marketplace, so they, both internal and external branding. And this idea of internal alignment and getting the teams all connected, because uh, you know it's a fact that the reason most mergers don't work is because they don't have cultural alignment. They didn't pay enough attention to it. And a lot of times an internal brand 
with clarity around the purpose, vision, and mission, and then what we stand for collectively together can do a, a great job uniting that organization and pulling it forward. Um, can you share your thoughts around that topic as well? Absolutely. And I, 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 it's so sad, uh, saddening for me to hear the stats on the amount of mergers that fail because of exactly what you're uh, bringing clarity to, and that is uh, a united team that has a clear vision, clear mission, clear values, clear understanding of, of, of how they're measured and, and what the internal support that each department and every new position that people are taking on in the merged organization can contribute to. I mean, that is absolutely critical, and I applaud the work that your firm is doing because it, it's so important, and not enough people spend the time and the money and the and the resources on it, and, and that is one of the contributors to, uh, to failed mergers uh, from the strategic standpoint. And so I, I just, again, applaud the work that you're doing and, and encourage more buyers to think very uh, long-term about that investment. As you advise your clients um, on, on the strategic sell, what do you tell them in the area of um, you know, brand positioning and, and how to present the company so that it is um, perceived to be an expert, if you will? So it increases that value based upon the... Uh, the relative benefit that the organization gives in terms of can the organization stand for one thing uh, that and then position it accordingly so that it, it it's perceived to be the leader in that area whether it's a thought leader or market leader or um, give some give us a perspective on how um, positioning and in, if in some ways sacrifice can also lead to a greater valuation and, and multiple sure thank you so I think it breaks down into two two answers there one is pre uh, acquisition pre-merger, um, and in that case, as we've been discussing, being really clear on uh, on the brand, on the the positioning, uh, brings as we've discussed already uh, increased valuation to because there's increased clarity on the synergy, so it brings increased uh, valuation multiples because the aggregate value actually doesn't then work off multiples, but actually the percentage of the deal you can negotiate to be your price as against what they're going to put together um, as they understand clearly how they're bringing your business into theirs. So that's the first piece that we've talked about already, the, the, which is critical from the seller's standpoint, um, to be really clear. On the second piece, uh, I, you know, in my own case and in, in many other entrepreneurs' cases, and I don't know how many entrepreneurs percentage-wise become corporate um, uh, hired guns effectively or not, uh, but I, I can actually see that from both perspectives. And so post-M&A transaction, whether you're looking at it from one side or the other, the integration of and clarity on bringing together the strength of the acquired company and integrating it into the uh, acquiring company and then coming out to the marketplace with a really clear and concise uh, positioning and communication of what the strength is of the business and how clients and, and, and both clients externally and employees internally can benefit from that uh, is, is, I think, the number one driver of success in, uh, in integration of, uh, of um, acquisitions. And so I think it's critically important, uh, and I think the branding industry uh, would do a good uh, uh, job for themselves and, and a great service uh, if they would uh, find a way to, to get large corporates to understand that this is critical and it's and it's a huge opportunity. And again, Perfect. I just want to compliment the work you're doing. I know you haven't asked me to do that, but I'm complimenting the work that you're doing because it is so important uh, on the integration side, which is the second piece. 
Well, thank you, Rob. Um, it's very rewarding work as well to see it, you know the culture come together and be united and and uh, quickly. Uh, the results start happening. As one of our clients says, if you take care of the employees, the employees will take care of the customers, and the customers will take care of the shareholders. So it is in that order. And uh, to give people the direction through you know these core statements of purpose, vision, mission, and really uniting a culture can be financially very effective. So we're almost out of time, but I, I'd like to have you just tell one final story, if you wouldn't mind. I know you've climbed uh, the seven summits, and you use Everest as a metaphor of thinking big. Um, as it relates to advice you could give people, our listeners today, on thinking big, as it relates to selling their business, any final thoughts there? Uh, yeah, I, I, thank you for asking. I, I think that visioning is critically important, and, and it requires quiet reflection and, and time away from as Covey, Stephen Covey would have said, Quadrant 1, you know, busy, uh, urgent crisis activities, and taking time in Quadrant 2, as he would lay out in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, on on taking time away to do planning and visioning really on a crystal clear basis uh, the kind of exit transaction that you would like uh, and not let your limiting uh, beliefs, you all have limiting beliefs in our subconscious, not letting your limiting beliefs limit you, uh, work with a professional like STS Capital Partners or someone like that that has lots of experience in setting evaluation records and create a vision that's crystal clear for you and all the stakeholders on the kind of exit that would be uh, would be an absolute huge home run. Um, and actually think about hitting it out of the stadium for getting a home run analogy um, and taking it to the next level. Um, as 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 you will know from from different uh, relationships we have that overlap, uh, we've been able to to help people sell at many 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 multiples of what they've hoped for, but they had to buy into the vision first. And so I think having the time, taking the time to envision what a what a perfect outcome would be for you uh, as a first step, and then working with somebody that is a professional in the area as a second step uh, would be really helpful for people to start to to come to terms with an exit as being a really big uh, moment in their life that creates a time, treasure, and talent to do uh, things that might be considered potentially more significant in their life. And so so success to significance is one of STS's brands, um, and the other is through selling to strategics. And so thinking about it that way um, uh, uh, that would support people, and the last thing I'll say is achieving their own summits. If you can set a really big goal, and understand that a strategic M&A transaction from the sell side can help you uh, get there, um, I think is the start to uh, walking down the road towards uh, very successful exits. And understanding that one of the key steps on that path and on that climb uh, is to get crystal clear on your value proposition through a strong branding uh, is really important. Well, great words of advice there, Rob. Thank you. Well, um, we are out of time. Thank you for being a guest on Expert Opinion. Would you mind sharing your email address in case any listeners would like to get a hold of you? Oh, absolutely, and thank you for asking. I have a very simple email address. It's rob, R-O-B, at S-T-S, success to significance, stscapital.com. Rob at stscapital.com. Perfect. Thanks again, Rob. That concludes our show for today. This is Ryan Rikus, and you've been listening to another edition of Expert Opinion, a brand-new business forum where thought leaders share their point of view. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read our blog series, visit brandybusiness.com. And until our next show, grow your business by living your brand promise.